Welcome back to part two of our conversation, our QUEST conversation. Remember that acronym QUEST, Q-U-E-S-T? First, we had a conversation about qualitative neighboring, and now we're in part two of our conversation on the letter U, urban churches. Uh, if you haven't heard uh, the first part of this conversation, part one, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that first before listening to this one so that you catch the flow of the conversation. We're going back uh, to hear our pastors speak from Vancouver to St. John, New Brunswick on their insights and experiences of pastoring in an urban church. Tell us, Simon, a little bit about City Reach. Yeah, so City Reach is 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 kind of like a, a nonprofit community center that our church started about 16 years ago, and so a lot of people want nothing to do with accessing churches because they just think we're going to brainwash them, but they but people are vulnerable and they need help, and so we started this uh, nonprofit. We're we're still faith based. We still love Jesus, um, but but people are feel way more comfortable accessing a community center than they do accessing a church. And so uh, we, we, like I said, we serve a thousand families every week out of, out of our, our city reach care society. And um, so right now we're doing fresh food hampers, meat, grains, bread, yogurt, dairy, those kind of things. And um, it's through the relationship. They come for food <laughs> and they leave with a, a, not just a full belly, but a full soul because we have people that are able to, uh, hear their story, listen to their story, pray for them. And uh, it's amazing that how, how food is the great elixir of, of relationships. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. and that's, true, that's true around a table and it's true within a, in, in a food bank line as well. The table is such an important metaphor for ministry. Uh, Bruce, uh, you, you were wanting to chime in and then Kivens. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, uh, when you talk about uh, getting being having a profile in a city um i'm in a situation where we've always been a downtown church and 23 years ago it was very obvious that we were going to need to find a way to to uh keep on being a family church with people coming from the suburbs into church where their children would be safe where the engine of Calvary Temple would be there solidly helping all of us reach the community in which we're planted. Mm -hmm. Like we have 120,000 square feet of building here in the heart of the city, but you need an engine to run that. And so people needed to catch the vision. We're going to go to church there. We're going to take our children there. We're going to do music there. We're going to have wonderful services there. We're going to do television from there, but we are also going to be on the streets. We're going to have a food bank. We're going to do Alpha that's unique. Alpha that is, is inv involves people at tables where you will have the up and outers and the down and outers in the same room doing Alpha. We've been doing Alpha for 20 years, helping people come to faith. We do media. We, we are no longer, believe it or not, on broadcast television station, pay your thousand bucks media anymore. We stopped that in the middle of COVID because they taught this old geezer how to use the 
live stream. And so we're now live streaming to many more people, but we're not on broadcast television. But I've continued on radio and we do, I was in a store this morning and I heard overhead on the talk radio station, a commercial where this old geezer said, come discover Jesus. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> and, and, we're, and so we have kept on for almost 20 years talking in 30 second bites to the whole city and, um, and inviting them to be part of us. And now that we're live streaming again, exclusively since November the 1st, we have had to really zero in on the needs of people in our community and the people who live around us. I felt like a fish out of water, Kevin. I didn't know what to do when I couldn't have people in the building. And uh, I just sat down and phoned out of the database, phoned every family in our every household, 2,200 phone numbers. Wow. And I phoned every single family and said, I, uh, is there anything we can do? How are you making out in COVID? I don't like it much either, but what can we do to help each other? So I, I just am so excited that God has helped us in the midst of this to keep visible in the community and to teach the people within our church you watch for people who recognize the voice people who you can use as a as an inroad to talk to them about a personal relationship with jesus so um, we're doing this in all of the ethnic communities we are just encouraged to no end that god would help us to do this in the inner city and what, one last thing, one thing I didn't realize, I thought we were about 80% people who drove in and about 20% who, who were part of us because of geography. I found out in my process of going through the database that well over 40% of the people who call Calvary Temple their home, you could walk to their house in 10 minutes or less. It blew me away, and we're doing a better job reaching people in the inner city than I thought. And so I'm encouraged how that relates to the others, I don't know, but that's sort of my heart and, and uh, being called to a city. Nobody had to drag me here. Uh, I just, I'm just so thrilled that God saw my hand in the air and said, you can come. As urban churches go, that, that's a sign of uh, good health when half of your congregation uh, are, are in walking distance. And uh, unfortunately, with uh, some congregations that were historic and in the city central, uh, eventually they disappeared or, or closed down because everybody was a commuter and it just got too cumbersome and too disconnected. Uh, but the people, yeah. the people who do drive in. Oh, they're, they're, they're fanatical, aren't they? They, they are coming on purpose. Yes. One of our, one of our key elders, he says, you know, I drive by six churches on the way to Calvary temple and I go there because of who I can sit beside in the service. Yeah. And, they, they have that sense yeah. of calling, you yeah. know, that this is the yeah. church that I need to be in because yeah. It's and they doing have it very something. strongly. Very yeah. strong. 
Yeah. Um, Kivens uh, has to leave us in just a couple minutes, but uh, you had a comment, Kivens, and uh, yeah. go ahead. I, I love hearing these stories. They're so inspiring. Um, there's so many ways that we can reach out to the community and have an impact. What, one of the things that we started to do at Gospel of Via in South Central District, we started that about two years ago. Um, every year we would have this big gospel concert and we would use that to attract people, preach the gospel and everything. And then two years ago, we decided that we would use this yearly event to help out a nonprofit in the neighborhood because the South Central District has many nonprofits who fight poverty, homelessness and different other you know, social issues. And what we did is we sat down the pastoral team and then we went through the list of nonprofits in the neighborhood and we chose one nonprofit who was helping um, homeless people in Montreal. And then we put together the concert and all the funds that we gathered uh, through this event, we gave them out a big check, right? So at first they were so surprised, they were wondering, well, why are you doing this, you know? and and one of the things that touched our heart is that there's so many things that we could do. And at the same time, there's so many nonprofits out there already doing good work. How can we support what's already happening in the neighborhood? So we started that the first year, we gave out a check, a few thousand dollars to this nonprofit. The second year we did that again uh, for a woman's shelter in the neighborhood. And then the third year, we started to receive calls from other nonprofits in the neighborhood asking, well, apparently you guys are helping out, you know, nonprofits in the neighborhood. Can we sit down and talk? And, and we realized that if, if we can only open ourselves to, you know, doing something different or sometimes not necessarily doing what's already being done, but just supporting what's happening in the neighborhood, we can have an impact. And the more we go and the more we realize that internet is also the place to go if we want to have an impact. Uh, years ago, internet was just a tool. You know, it's a search engine, you want information, you gotta find it uh, on Google or whatever. But now internet has become more than a tool, it's actually a place where people meet. Uh, just like today, we're meeting online, right? And on, on the internet, you can meet with political leaders, business leaders, you can, uh, found your mate on internet. There's so many people that we can meet and reach out to if we can understand how internet works, what are the tools uh, for us to have an impact. And, and if we let our creativity flow, we can find ways to have an impact on, on higher levels than we've ever imagined. Vince, uh, I know that you uh, have to leave the meeting, but uh, as as you're about to go, I'm going to ask uh, Chad Nickerson. He's uh, he's only one province over from you, mind you. It's a day's drive, but uh, Chad, if uh, if you would just uh, pray for uh, Kivens and uh, Gospel V and uh, Southeast Montreal, uh, go ahead, Chad. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Kivens. I thank you for his life, Lord, and I pray your blessing over him. I, I pray for Gospel V as the, the ministry continues, and I pray for uh, your, your heart and, and mind of leadership. Lord, give wisdom. I pray that you would open doors, Lord, for greater impact and for new encounters with you. 
We pray, Lord, that you would provide. We pray that you would protect. We pray that you, Lord, would be, would be worshipped and adored through the, the work of Gospel V and through Kivens. Bless his family and strengthen them. And we just pray that many more people would know you, Lord Jesus. Have your way in this ministry and in our friend today. We pray your blessing and provision in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And uh, thank you for being a part of uh, the podcast, Kibenz. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking to you again soon. God bless you. Thanks for having me. Have a good day, everyone. Let's, uh, let's talk uh, about uh, cultural language churches. If you look at uh, the stats for uh, Canada and Pentecostal assembly churches in particular, uh, about one third of our churches are cultural language churches, uh, meaning that uh, the primary language in, spoken in that church is not usually English or French, uh, but it is uh, the mother tongue of uh, immigrants that have, have come to Canada. And uh, so we have a sizable number of churches. Now, often what happens in, in a uh, cultural church is that uh, those who have uh, come to Canada from the country of origin, uh, they gather together because they have a like-minded faith. They uh, want to reach their own people uh, be, and, and be able to worship in their own language and in a cultural context that they understand. And that's uh, usually an exciting time in that church uh, and their children grow up in that church. And then the, the second generation, uh, depending on the age they are when they come to Canada, they are becoming a blended culture of the mother language, the mother homeland and Canada. And then by the time the grandparents uh, have grandkids, uh, that third generation cultural church, those grandkids, they're, they're fully Canadian. They uh, have, uh, you know, a cultural tie and a cultural identity uh, to their grandparents' homeland, but many of them haven't even visited uh, the place that grandpa and grandma came from. So uh, this uh, kind of uh, brings a, a, a bit of a crisis point to a cultural language church where they now, uh, in order to um, uh, move forward and be effective, uh, they really need to uh, become a multicultural um, church speaking in the common language uh, of, of Canada, languages, English or French. So um, let's talk a bit about how multicultural uh, is your church and uh, you know if, if if you have many cultures or a few cultures in your congregation how do you foster that um, can we call it that global village in in your pews or chairs you know what what uh, do you do with intentionality that uh, um, helps uh, that Canadian distinctive of multiculturalism uh, thrive in your context. And uh, that may not be the case for every, every church that's in the city and 
across Canada, but uh, what about where you are? Anybody want to pipe in on that? I know, Bruce, you mentioned uh, that you have uh, 70 uh, tribes and nations that gather in your church. And uh, what about the rest of you? How are you doing with uh, cultural engagement? Uh, we had a guest speaker at our church a couple of years ago, and he stood up on the stage, and the lights come on, and he looks out at the congregation, and he said, the first thing he said was, I feel like I'm at the United Nations here. Yeah. And uh, it was just a shock to him to see uh, such a multicultural congregation. And I didn't know how our congregation would respond. Like, would we laugh? Is that a joke he's making? And everyone started to clap. Like, it was like, our church responded like, oh, of course, like this is us. And it was a, it was a pretty cool realization to see our, our church respond and, and embrace like, yeah, this is, this is who we are. We're, we're from everywhere and we're, we're like the little, little section of the United Nations, which, which is kind of neat. And so we, we have different, you know, um, uh, Bruce, you were mentioning, uh, you have to, you call them fellowships. We call them ministries here. Uh, but, you know, a Brazilian ministry and a Chinese ministry, a Filipino, Spanish, uh, we, we offer translation of our English services into all these different uh, languages um, so that people can uh, hear it in their own mother tongue as well if, if they don't know English or that's not uh, comfortable for them that way as well. So those are some, some uh, ways that we try to uh, kind of foster the, the value of, of diversity. In the past here at Calvary Temple, there used to be a, a church planting sort of rhythm. The Portuguese would come, they would have a little Bible study, prayer meeting, they would become a church and they'd go off. Spanish ministry, the same thing. And uh, we've decided that we are not going to be planting ethnic churches. We are going to have ethnic fellowships that come to the big gathering on Sunday and uh, are part of the whole but then have room in the ministry week to have lots of prayer meetings lots of fellowships meeting together so they can do their chatting but if they're going to grow with their kids they need to grow in the context of the big body and uh, i think the real the real hurt that happens in ethnic fellowships is that children generation and uh, and in many contexts, especially the Africans, they have told me, we, we don't pay attention to our children the way we should. And they learn from us and they let their children come to our, to our uh, celebration for kids. And, and, and they really are appreciative of the fact that we include them in the big gathering with the children's ministry. So uh, for us, I wish we were doing it as well as Broadway, but uh, we, we, we're not doing all those languages in the big service yet, and I don't know if we ever will, but, but uh, we, we are definitely aware of the fact that you need to begin with a, a fellowship, and then hopefully they, our African fellowship, our, uh, they were speaking Swahili, most of them could speak English, has four years ago officially become part of the big body. They meet in prayer meetings now. Our French fellowship, which are mostly Congolese Africans, they haven't quite bridged the gap yet. <laughs> they they have their own service and do their own uh, live stream every Sunday, and so they're ministering to people all over the world. So, yeah, I think that 
having that uh, global sense, you know, of every tribe and nation uh, that uh, in Christ, uh, those distinctions uh, are not as important as our identity in Christ. And yet at the same time, uh, we need to have a very high regard for, uh, for culture and, and cultures that are different from ours. And, and to be students of other cultures, to learn, uh, to appreciate, to include, to, um, you know, uh, try, to um, try to be that uh, church that's gathered at the throne. And uh, I, I don't know what language we're going to speak in, in the throne room of heaven. Uh, maybe, it'll, maybe it'll all be tongues, you know, every tongue. But uh, yeah, what about uh, somebody else? So what's your experience uh, related to um, uh, having a, uh, a sense of multiculturalism in, in your ministry? Chad? We're, we're, we're uh, much less multicultural yet, uh, but that is, that is certainly uh, uh, progressing in our community and in our neighborhood. I note that in our last alpha course that we did in person, because we've had to do it online the last couple of sessions, but the last in-person alpha course that we had, some of the individuals that attend our church and are involved from India invited some of their friends from, from that uh, ethnicity. We had uh, some of the Asian uh uh, population come and invite their friends as well and we had a, a large contingent of master's students from our master's program uh, at the university just a block away uh, that just just brought their friends and it was really interesting to see that dynamic uh, play out in our gathering where, where we don't have that a lot we have uh, some people from different European nations that uh, attend our church we have some folks from uh, from China and from India, uh, but uh, it was wonderful to see in our small context that broad variety of, of different uh, backgrounds. Uh, uh, they even ended up uh, talking to our cooks and our cooks altered our menus uh, for our suppers so that it would be uh, something that would be uh, palatable and, and acceptable for a couple of the different cultures. And it was just wonderful to see that happen, uh, that, that unity and that desire to grow and learn together uh, all to get to know Jesus. Well, if it involves adding spice to the diet, I'm in. Uh, Olu, you uh, had had some comments. Yes, I just to add to the conversation, what we decided to do, our church is multicultural as well, and um, we, we find English, of course, is the common language that unites people. So uh, that's great because um, people come in and they can sort of learn the, the language. And if they don't know the language, unfortunately, they don't settle in our church. We don't have those services at this point. Um, and the, but our community is so diverse. There's so many other smaller churches. We do have a Spanish church uh, that also uses our building. Uh, we, but one, one thing we did address that I think is working quite well is we started a, a, a service that was particularly for the second generation. Um, so you have these Africans and other cultures where they speak English, they're quite affluent and, and middle-class. Um, but their children, uh, and these are first generation um, immigrants, but their children, second generation, they just 
we find we find we were finding that they were not really transitioning well into our main service as they become adults. And so we said, let's start. Uh, and, and also we found that there were unchurched kids from the community, uh, some from the low income setting that I described, and they just were not fitting in with the church service, the youth service, great, uh, kid service, great, but as adults, they weren't fitting in. And so we addressed that by starting a separate service that had a different cultural flavor. The cultural flavor was not the language. It was the style of service. Um, so it was not a youth service or a student service. It was actually a church service because I, as a lead pastor, would facilitate that service, uh, open, do altars, close, and so forth. But then I would have my young adult pastor do a lot of the preaching. I'll do preaching as well. And so we just had a team-based approach to really try and reach the second generation and the unchurched and some of the university students as well. And we were concerned that there would be sort of a bit of a fracture in like our vision uh, where all the young people will go to the one service and not the other service. Uh, but it's been going on for two years and it's been great because um, we've been working as a team. And so the pastors are a bit stretched because we have to now attend both services, but um, we get to bring a more breadth of pastorship to the younger generation, whether through counseling, through mentorship, through encouragement. And then some of them also naturally transition to the other service. Uh, but I found that uh, in our experience, it's been really, really amazing so far. I think that what you're talking about is something that a lot of us need to learn. And that is how to uh, not, not just multiculturalism, but multi-generations and, and being able to um, find the points of contact and relevance. Yeah. Um, Tim Keller uh, writes, then as now the cities were filled with the poor and urban Christians commitment to the poor was visible and striking. He's talking about the New Testament church. Do you believe this is still true of the Christian church? Uh, can you share some uh, insights of your relationship to the poor and uh, some of the dynamics around, uh, you know, being, uh, being genuine and uh, not being condescending maybe? Uh, what, what are the ways that you are able to build a culture in your church uh, that uh, is less discriminating. I um, would just comment that I think um, we lead by example and uh, we need to make it very clear that everyone is welcome. And especially in our, in our large services where there are people who come and who might make a bit of a fuss and Sometimes they're inebriated and all of that. That's part of being in the downtown core. And I thought it would be appropriate. I don't do this to draw attention to myself, but this morning I received a call and the, the uh, person answering the phone asked me if I would take it. I did. I, I vaguely remember this person, but he's calling me from the PH2 unit at Health Science Center. He's in the psychiatric floor and and he asked me for a Bible and then his friend beside him asked me for a pair of shoes 
And then I said, what size does he need? He said, 13. I said, you have got a pair of shoes. I put him in a bag. I took two Bibles. Uh, another lady wanted a, a Bible. I went by the hospital, drove over there, gave them. I believe with all my heart that everything that I can do to tell people they're loved and cared for, and you have a friend, I know I can't do it all, but I can do some of it. And then I verbalize it when I'm in front of people and they copy it and they live it out. And so I believe that that's why we're here in the downtown core and people take this same approach in where they live, in their neighborhood, in their small group. And uh, so I feel very, very much that we need to, um, recently, the last year or so, I've, I always have at least 20 to 25 $5 bills in my wallet. And my, <laughs> my predecessor did this years ago. And uh, you ask me for something on the street, you're likely going to get $5. Yep. And I know people say, you shouldn't do that, Pastor. You're being used, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know what? I'm going to let God figure that out. And uh, if I'm doing something wrong, he'll forgive me. But um, I just uh, model it, and I believe others follow suit. I'd, I'd go to your church, Pastor, because uh, I recognize that heart that's uh that's uh the heart of jesus and uh, what about uh, some of you in terms of uh you know uh your uh, your um friendship your uh engagement uh with with people that are in great distress and difficulty yeah chad i mentioned before uh, something that that god has just put as part of my dna i guess uh in, in coming here as a country boy, scared to death of the city. I mean, this is not really much of a city. It's a very small area, small population. But for me, it was like, you know, being in the middle of New York. And, and I came in and the Lord just spoke to me about treating everyone completely equal. And we've had a number of people in the last several years who have come to us and said, you're the first people that have treated me like a real person. And that really broke my heart because how are they being treated elsewhere? What are, what are they being treated like? Uh, to really have the patience for, as Pastor Bruce has mentioned, some of the, the, the demands of different individuals with different struggles and challenges, some of the smells, some of the sounds that will come out, some people that may be inebriated or whatever, but treating them with respect, with the grace of Jesus, with the practical love of the Lord, uh, really, I just find God is raising that up within me. And then I, I impart that to others. I, I challenge our people to have that heart and to, to just treat people that indeed they are made in the image of God and that God would even give his one and only son for them to have that same practical kindness impatience mm. which is is difficult in our busy world but i believe god god really demands that of us so what are what are some of the the messages that uh uh these scruffy angels uh bring to you you know what what's god say to you um through through these unlikely messengers uh debbie you got your hand up why don't you uh pipe in here um, so 
uh, we're here, we, we are um, working with people who are the ones you would describe on a daily basis um, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, one of the things that uh, I found is so important, whether I'm giving them uh, a blanket or a fresh set of clothing or, or just um, bringing a bowl of soup to them. We try to treat everybody like we're so glad they came to our house to visit us. Um, we're so glad to welcome them in. Um, we want them to be made to feel like, um, not just like they're equal, but that we feel privileged that they're there. Uh, one of the things that COVID brought was you can't, um, people can't help themselves to food right now. And so uh, we found the easiest thing to do with all the restrictions is just have a seat and we'll bring you your food. So uh, we've, we've started, like, as soon as they sit down, we bring them their food. We act like they're in a restaurant and like, what would you like to drink today? Coffee, juice, what, you know, what, what can we do for you? Um, but above everything else, you know, what they want is for us to know their name, to recognize them and to call them by name, to welcome them in and say, oh, Calvin, great to see you today. How are you? And spend time to chat with them and just to hear how their day has been and to remember what they said yesterday. Uh, relationship, like everyone else. Uh, they want the same thing as everyone else. Yes, some of them need things um, differently and are looking for something differently, but they want you to look them in the eye and they want you to know who they are. Um, and, uh, that's what we work hard at doing. So whether it's the church service that they're coming to or to one of our community drop-ins, we try to, to make sure we are personal with them. Well, I love uh, talking with all of you. You know, I, I can tell how much uh, each of you love the place that, that God has you. And uh, yeah, there's challenges and, and there's weariness at times and, and all that. But, uh, you know, you're, you're in place because of the love of God. And I want to... Um, have us uh, as we're coming to the last uh, few minutes of this podcast um, to invite uh, all of our listeners uh, to pray along with you as uh, you thank God for the city that you're in, the neighborhood that you're in, and as uh, together let's uh, let's call on God for uh, for each one represented here. Uh, earlier on, we had Chad. Uh, pray for uh, Kiven Zamadi at uh, Eglise Gospovi in Montreal. And uh, he was not able to be in the last part of the podcast with us. Uh, but uh, let's uh, go from right to left. So uh, we'll start with you, Chad. And uh, would you um, uh, bring St. John, New Brunswick, uh, to the Lord and uh, everyone that's listening in, would you uh, also add in uh, your prayer for St. John? God, I, I thank you for St. John, New Brunswick. I thank you for Calvary Temple Church in the heart of the city. And, and Lord, it's a privilege to serve you here. Thank you for this day that you've called us to, that we have this opportunity today 
to share, to grow, Lord, to care. I pray that you would uh, be glorified, Jesus, be adored and worshiped in all that we do. May it be for you that people would know you. I pray, Lord God, for salvation. I pray for deliverance. I pray, God, for the desperate needs that we see on our streets in this small center in the East Coast. I pray, God, for peace. I pray for prosperity. And I ask God for generational transformation, that you would, would just completely retrofit the souls and lives of individuals as your Holy Spirit is, is convincing people of their need of you. We pray, Jesus, that you would fill lives richly with relationship with you and, and discipleship, being grown in Christ-likeness, in, in growing in faith in you, Lord Jesus. Be glorified in this, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Chad. Uh, Olu Jegade, uh, pastor at Christian Center Church in uh, Toronto. Uh, let's, uh, let's pray together with you for the Jane Finch Corridor. Thank you, God. Father, we just thank you for just this forum and just the ability to share and celebrate what you're doing in our cities and in our urban settings. Lord, I think about the scripture uh, that just really inspired me years ago where Isaiah said um, that we are called, Lord, to uh, rebuild those um, ancient ru ruins, Lord God, and to restore those places that have been devastated and to also renew, Lord God, our cities. And so we just ask, Lord, that you bring a renewal, Lord, that can only come from your spirit moving through your people. Lord, we ask that you just um, start with us, Lord. Start with us as leaders, as, as urban workers, as pastors, Lord, that we would have a, a renewed heart, that we would pass it on to those in our church and that we minister to, Lord, and that through us, Lord, that we would flow and that you would flow, Lord, to those that are precious to you, God, our neighbors, our friends, our parishioners, Lord, the strangers that we come to, the homeless in our communities, Lord, the moms, the single parent families, and Lord, the teenagers and the vulnerable people, Lord, the homeless, we cry out to you, God, that you would touch, Lord, the city of Toronto, that you touch our community of Jane and Finch, Lord, that you touch every community in this city that's hurting. And I pray, God, that for maybe some of, uh, for some of us that need more resources or wisdom or aid or help, Lord, God, that you would send that, Lord, that you would remind every, every minister, every leader, every urban worker in this community, in this city, that they're not alone. God, that there's resources like this and that there's a network and a community that can be a support for them. Strengthening, Lord, those arms, those, those feet and those hands, Lord, that we would keep going for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Lord, we join our prayers with Bruce Martin, pastor at Calvary Temple in Winnipeg. Yeah, just before I pray, Kevin, if uh, I think we need to, in our situation and maybe others listening, the COVID-19 reality mm -hmm. is really putting stress on churches. Take us there in prayer. Yeah, and uh, Father, I just thank you that 
you know all about COVID-19 in Winnipeg, in Manitoba, our leaders are doing their best, but boy, oh boy, we don't agree. And I pray that you would soften our hearts. I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you would show us how to bring unity even in the body of believers that we serve and help us to be a good example Help us, Lord, to keep on keeping on and to reach people in the midst of this and that we will not go into an anger mode, but we will go into a reach mode. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us, help us, help us, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, amen. Uh, we join our prayers with Debbie Kuntz at Father's House in Edmonton. Go ahead, Debbie. Father God, I, I just want to praise you for your goodness in our lives. I praise you, Lord, because everything that we need, you supply. And we, we don't know where it is coming from. And yet, Lord, you do. From nothing, God, you, you bring something. And we praise you and we thank you, God, for all that you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of these dark hours that we do face, God, that you are working, that your Holy Spirit is drawing people to you. Lord, I thank you that you have placed us here in the heart of our city. I thank you for the many believers who, who have that, that desire to reach the lost and that for all the volunteers that have come alongside of us in these last months, especially, Lord, where uh, situations that should have been impossible have, have continued to happen because of your provision, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would pour your spirit over each one, Lord, as they offer their lives to serve you, Lord. I pray that you would continue to fill them up. Lord, I think of um, the people right outside our door that walk without hope. Lord, I pray that you would continue to help us to be a light here in Edmonton. I pray, Lord, that our heart would see as your heart sees, Lord, that you would stamp your image upon us, Lord, that people that hear us or see us would see Jesus, Lord, that everything would point back to you. God, that lives would be transformed and changed, Lord, because only you are able to do this, to bring life where, where it's, it just seems that death rules. Lord, this is a dark hour. You said that the darkness is coming. Night is coming when no man can work. So we must work while it is day. So, Lord, I pray that our eyes are open to every opportunity and that, Lord, you would be glorified in what we say and what we do. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And uh, we are praying uh, for our country, Canada, from east to west. And now we join uh, our prayers with Simon Gao at Broadway Church in Vancouver. God, we just acknowledge that uh, your spirit is moving here in Vancouver. And uh, God, give us your eyes to see where you're moving and your ears to hear where you're moving. And Lord, would we get on board with where you've already softened the soil of hearts. 
Jesus, we pray for revival in Vancouver. We pray for a city on fire for you, Lord. And uh, would you raise up a generation of young people to pick up your cross and, and join you in your kingdom's cause to see the lost saved? God, we give you praise and glory for what you've already done and what you continue to do in our midst. Amen. Amen. Boy, this has been a, a great conversation with all of you. And uh, for those who are listening uh, in our podcast show notes, we'll have links uh, to all of the ministries that have been in uh, this urban church uh, segment. Uh, you'll also be able to use those uh, websites to uh, have a point of contact to each of our guests. And if you're listening and you're not from one of those cities and, and you don't know any of us, uh, I would uh, invite you to, uh, to pray for your city and uh, ask the Lord, what, what is he up to in your city and how can you connect to what God is doing? Maybe God is calling some of you uh, to become uh, fully immersed in the urban core of your city, uh, living a life uh, for the kingdom of Jesus. And uh, if that happens, uh, please uh, drop me a note. I'd love to hear your stories. Thank you so much to all of our guests. And uh, we're uh, going to be back uh, real soon with the next episode. We put out episodes on the 1st and the 15th of every month. And uh, if wherever you are, if you, if, unless you're driving, and why don't you give a, a clap? for our guests. Thank you for uh, being with us, everyone. Listening to these pastors gives me encouragement knowing how deeply they care about the people and the context in which they find themselves. But what about the future? What about starting new urban churches and how are we going to further adapt to the changing cityscape? On the next episode, we are interviewing Steve Pike from the Urban Islands Project. Steve was the director of Assemblies of God Church Planning throughout the US. And after years of doing that, he began to envision and dream of another way of church planting that culminated in a model that is known as the Urban Islands Project. Starting in Denver, Colorado, and then moving on to other cities, they planted churches with multiple players working together. So instead of a single church planter, uh, a singular pastor going into a city to start something new, they would have a cohort of people that would plant churches and ministries collaboratively in the same city. Steve's also written a new book entitled Next Wave, Discovering the 21st Century Church. So this is going to be a joint podcast with Paul Fraser from Multiply Network Podcast and Brian Eggert from Mission Canada. Uh, the three of us have grown to appreciate Steve Pike for the valued uh, insights that he has into urban ministry. And uh, so we're looking forward to um, sharing with you our conversation with Steve Pike of the Urban Islands Project. So until we are on the podcast again with you, remember to keep one ear to God and one ear to the ground in your city. 
I'm Kevin Rogers, and this is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. Mm-hmm.